I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to our planet, all of our perspectives shift when we become parents. Our world is no longer ours. It's our responsibility to preserve it for our future generations. Which is why I'm always interested in hearing about new, sustainable products. Think about deodorant, the amount of plastic that is thrown away needlessly every time we finish one. Wild is a natural, sustainable, vegan deodorant that is single-use plastic-free and cruelty-free as well. The deal is that you buy a case which is made from aluminium and designed to last for life. You can even choose to personalise it with your name and choose from five colours. All you change are the refills, which are fully biodegradable and home compostable, and I can tell you they smell amazing. Even better, the packaging it arrives in is plastic-free and it can fit through your letterbox. So if you're up for trying something new, making a small but important step to help our planet, go wild today and get yourself this natural refillable deodorant that genuinely works. You can order now by going to wearewild.com and you'll get 20% off your first order when you use the code PARENTHOOD at checkout. That's all capital letters, all one word. So that's wearewild.com and code PARENTHOOD at checkout for 20% off. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. Suddenly in 2021, we are all vaccine experts. Never before have we as a society thought we knew so much or had so many opinions about the different types of COVID vaccines. Having spent a year locked down, hoping against hope that somewhere in a dark little laboratory, some genius is coming up with a vaccine that will finally end COVID, our prayers have been answered and we have a vaccine. In fact, we have many. And yet it's not as simple as just taking it. We have worries about whether it's safe, whether it causes blood clots and opinions about which vaccine we are prepared to take. Recently, the vaccine was recommended for pregnant women, but anxious at the best of times, parents are understandably concerned about whether this is the best option for them and their precious unborn babies. It's something we've been talking a lot on the bump class about this week. So I thought I'd drag that poor overworked doctor sister of mine into the studio to grill her on all these issues. Kiara, thank you very much to be here. Thank you very much for being here today. It's been a while since we had you in the studio and I know you've been very, very, very busy. Um, So obviously seeing patients takes precedence over podcasts, but it's really great to have you back, especially on such an important topic and presume it's something you've been talking about a lot in your surgery. Yes. Yeah, it's lovely to be back. But um, yeah, COVID vaccines, COVID generally is something I have been talking to my patients a lot about. So very happy to try and clarify some things for our listeners. 
So I think what, one thing that I hear most regularly, uh, one reason why people don't want to take it, is that they feel that it's an experimental vaccine. That, you know, COVID was only sequenced, what, just over a year ago. Usually vaccine take take you know vaccines take years to create and even longer to kind of verify that they are safe how can we have created a vaccine so quickly and yet know that it is as safe as so many other vaccines that you know that we take yeah so so this is understandably a natural question that people are going to have and and one that I've been sort of answering quite a lot um I think the thing to remember is that no corners have been cut. Things have just been done more quickly because it's been a pandemic. Um, you know, things have just moved moved faster. But all the sort of regulatory process, all the due diligence has been done for all these vaccinations. And that, and that is abs- that's an absolute fact. But, you know, for example, things, you know, it would normally take, you know, namely two or three years to get a grant to develop a vaccine. Then it'd take another two or three years to go through the regulatory process. Then you've got to start recruiting people for the trial. Then only once You've, uh, and then you have to go through the, the approval process. Um, so, and there's a, so for example, now they, they've they've you know they they did things like they recruited people for the trial before the vaccine was approved, so that they so that so that they had them ready to go. They um, you know they 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 they. they, they fast-tracked all the bureaucracy that goes with it um, the sort of regulatory bodies increased the speeds which which they worked so rather than waiting for all the data and then reviewing it they did what they call rolling reviews where as the data came in they were looking at at exactly what that data was and, and what it meant and and I had someone describe it the other day as a bit like you know normally developing a vaccine is the speed of sort of driving from one end to London to the other uh, in in you know rush hour traffic and uh, and and the way it's happened in the COVID pandemic is doing exactly the same thing, driving from one end of London to another, but with you know no traffic at all, all the traffic lights on green, and a police escort. <laughs> you know, I thought that was a really good way of describing it, and, that, and that's essentially what's happened. Yeah, that doesn't mean that that was that journey didn't happen because it couldn't have happened. Yeah, it just always, meant that always less safe as a together. result. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a, a lot of sense. And actually, I bet the scientists are feeling a bit cross because they're like. We aced it. We did so well. And now they're saying they don't trust us because we aced it. And the majority of people do, which is why our vaccine um, you know, rollout has been so good. But I have to say, I, wouldn't, I would not have believed you if you'd said to, if someone said to me a year ago, we will have a choice of vaccines to be giving people for COVID in a year's time. It is phenomenal what they've managed to achieve. Yeah. And then interesting, too, that, you know, amongst the first cohort to have the vaccines are the doctors, you know, arguably people in the medical profession whose job it is to understand how vaccines work, why vaccines work. They were the first to be like, bring it on, give it to me. And and presumably they'd be the first to know if it was unsafe, it had been rushed, if it was experimental. Well, they're not the scientists, but, but you know, the generally intelligent, uh, sort of well-read people who, who are not going to do something without understanding and thinking about it. And, uh, and not just doctors, all the healthcare professionals involved um, in, in, you know, taking the vaccine in the early days. So, yes, uh, uh, it's usually relatively convincing argument to say I had no worries about taking it myself uh, or my husband or my parents or your uh, sister or my sister (laughs) and so I don't think you need to worry about it and you know everyone's different and everyone has an absolute right to question and to research and to find out the information for themselves but trust your source (laughs) no exactly we're not advocating I guess you'd never be advocating taking something if you're uncomfortable with what you're advocating is having a conversation with someone who's informed exactly small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project 
there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So in pregnancy, obviously, this is a relatively new um, uh, process, as in um, it was only, you know, some, week, some months after the COVID vaccine began to be used um, in the population that they then said pregnant women should have it too. Mm. Is it well, only in this month in the UK. It was only yeah. the beginning of April that we've we started doing it in the UK. And so why, why were, was it not licensed for pregnant women before? It wasn't recommended for pregnant women um, until this, this month in the UK uh, because there wasn't enough data, basically, to, to, to say, yeah, we think it's, it's safe. Yeah, as with everything, everything goes through the due diligence and then, and then it's decided, yes, it's safe or it's no, it's safe. And, and then it's constantly reviewed. And that's, uh, um, that, that's just what happens. So in, essentially, it, there were lots of other countries that were vaccinating pregnant women. And we've used a lot of the real life data from those countries like America to make that to make that decision. Yeah. Um, and, and presumably, too, they take into account, you know, risk versus benefit. And yeah. I suppose what we've also learned is that even though pregnant women were put in the high risk category, actually, the risk to pregnant women wasn't well, that big. Or... It, it, no, it wasn't huge, but it was greater than if you weren't pregnant and and had the same risk factor. And so we now have a lot of data on on COVID infection in pregnancy because we've had a year's worth of pregnant women in a pandemic giving birth. And, um, you know, and one in every hundred women who was tested coming into hospital to give birth had COVID. The vast majority had no symptoms and 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 had no complications as a result. But of those that did, um, about 18% needed help breathing. And um, you know, and uh, and and about twenty percent of those ones with symptoms ended up giving birth earlier than they should have done, so preterm labours. So it, it's not insignificant, you know, especially in the third trimester. And that's that's the whole point, I suppose, about making the decision about vaccinating, uh, whether to vaccinate, you'll be vaccinated in pregnancy, is is looking at the risk of COVID being a pregnant woman versus the risk of. Uh, of taking the vaccination. So you are at higher risk of preg- of COVID if you're pregnant, and yet you aren't prioritised if you're pregnant, because as far as I understand it, you still have to be in the age category that they're calling or the sort of category that they're calling, you know, you might have underlying health conditions. Yeah, so currently in the UK, um, as of this month, so pregnant women are being vaccinated, but um, but you still are vaccinated if when you're pregnant and fall within the category of people being vaccinated. So either at the moment, I think they've just gone to 42 in this country. But um, but uh, if you have any other underlying health conditions, but some of those could be pregnancy related, like gestational diabetes, um, or if you have other risk factors and are pregnant, like um, you are uh, have a high BMI 
or certain ethnicities that are higher risk for COVID um, or, or you're a healthcare worker, you know, so if there are other risks, then, um, then you, and you're pregnant and younger than 42 currently, then you would be vaccinated. And so, I mean, I'm going to ask the question that I think I know the answer to, obviously, because they've said yes, but, you know, I'm presuming then the vaccine is safe to take in pregnancy. So, I mean, that's that's why we that's why it has been approved, because it has been deemed safe in pregnancy. And like any other vaccine or any other medication or medicinal product going through an approval process, we trust or we don't trust the outcome of it. So if you trust the scientists and the people sort of making these decisions for us, uh, it is safe. And, 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 and certainly we have quite a lot of data. We have data from people who became unintentionally pregnant in the trial. So they were part of the original trials and got pregnant in the trial um we have data from um uh we have data from america so about i think at the moment we're about ninety thousand pregnant women have been vaccinated in america and there have been no adverse effects that we know of we also as with all these things do large the scientists do large animal studies and and animals have much shorter gestations than humans so you're able to study the effect of pregnancy uh, of a vaccine or a medication in a pregnancy in in animals and so there's been lots of animal uh, studies that haven't shown any any uh, adverse effect on the on the mother or or the baby um so it's it's certainly uh something that I feel much more confident recommending to my patients. Now, if you asked me a month ago, I was still saying, just hold fire. We just need a little bit more data unless there are other risks. Let's just see. But now, really, as of the last couple of weeks, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident uh, advising my patients. And is it every COVID vaccine that is appropriate for pregnant women or is it just some of them? So none of the vaccines have been shown to be dangerous, in pregnancy, um, but the ones we have the most data on are the, are the Pfizer and the Moderna ones, the mRNA ones, only because that those are the ones that are being used in America, where the pregnancy data has come from. The the the, the so at the moment we use uh, in the UK we have Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca, um, and and there's no reason to to believe that the AstraZeneca one is unsafe. It just doesn't have the data yet. And, and as far as I know, if you want, if you're pregnant and want to have the AstraZeneca instead of the Pfizer, you, you can in this country. I mean, I do think that, and this maybe is just speaking for myself, but I remember so well, I don't remember the thalidomide scandal, but I remember learning about it. And I remember being slightly haunted by this idea mm-hmm. that pregnant women were sort of merrily given this anti-sickness drug um, that then ended up with severe um, repercussions for, for their babies who Absolutely. ended up, you know, being born, you know, they hadn't, hadn't grown properly, they mm-hmm. were born without limbs. And I think that, and as far as I know, nothing similar has happened since then. And that was obviously a sort of terrible um, experience. But if I was a pregnant woman now, I'd be asking, how do I absolutely know that there aren't going to be side effects, uh, that, that this isn't going to impact the pregnancy? Because obviously, you know, we don't eat, we don't eat certain things. We don't drink alcohol during our pregnancy. We do live quite, we are recommended to live quite kind of careful lives and be careful about, you know, what we put into our body while we're pregnant, especially in the first trimester. Do, I mean, I guess, how do we absolutely know that there isn't going to be some bit of evidence that emerges in three years' time and think, oh, my God, we should never have given this to pregnant women? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, understandable to question, but to compare it to the thalidomide is it's a completely different thing um, in terms of the medication. It was a completely new medication. This is a vaccine. There's There have been loads of vaccines of similar types given to pregnant women, and we've got the data suggestive 
that those are safe. Um, I mean, the other thing is the regulatory processes and the, the 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 work that has to be done before anything is approved in pregnancy now is is completely different than when it, than in the I think it was late fifties sixties where where the thalidomide scandal happened, where there was really very little regulation at the time. Um, and presumably they learned a lot from that. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and your question, though, is how can we be absolutely sure? The answer is we can't. We cannot be absolutely sure about anything. We cannot be absolutely sure that the paracetamol we take in pregnancy is not going to have, have any harmful effect. It's just looking at the data that we have at the moment and, and weighing up the, the, the risks versus benefits and, and deciding whether that's an appropriate risk to take. Um, and and I suppose when you're looking at the vaccines, the COVID vaccines, we know we know a few things. We know that they definitely don't contain any ingredients that are known to be harmful in pregnant women or the developing babies. We've looked at that in uh, the studies in animals um, in pregnancy to see if they sort of cause any harm in pregnancy or fertility. They're not live vaccines. So again, we don't normally give live vaccines in pregnancy um, because there's the risk of the mother or, or, or fetus contracting the actual disease itself. They're not live, they're not live vaccines. And we've given, we give regularly similar vaccines um, in pregnancy at the moment, the flu vaccine or the, um, you know, the, the, the whooping cough vaccine. Um, so there's no reason to think that it would be harmful at all. Um, again, generally speaking, the majority of the of this of the sort of side effects or adverse effects that happen with vaccines historically happen either immediately or in the sort of weeks and months afterwards, not not years for, for vaccines. Yeah. So even though there, I mean, there will have been people who have had their vaccine, you know, in their first trimester who've given birth to, to healthy babies. Yeah. But we don't have a two-year-old who his mother was vaccinated in her pregnancy. But presumably, that's generally there's not what no, the risks are. Yeah, there, there's no reason to, to believe that that should be a problem at all. Um, and what about the side effects? Because I think people, a lot of people have reported having quite relatively significant side effects you know feeling feverish feeling um, exhausted from the vaccination from the vaccination yep. is there any chance that the side effects could affect your baby i mean i know that ideally you don't really have a fever in pregnancy no um, and, and the majority of people don't get a fever I and mean, of course you do hear people that do and, and some people do but it's actually especially in these two vaccines that we're using for pregnant women at the moment, the Pfizer and the Moderna, there are minimal side effects reported. But of course, yes, you might. Um, and uh, and I think the thing to remember there is your body's very good at protecting your baby. So you will feel a lot worse than than your baby being affected at all. Um, so so uh, it's it's very unlikely that any side effects from a vaccination will affect, will affect the baby. It might, you know, it's not great feeling like that when you're pregnant, but... But again, if you're developing antibodies, you're passing those to your baby, you're going to be protected from COVID in your pregnancy. That's all good. Mm. So there is, is there evidence to show that uh, the babies inherit the antibodies yes. from vaccinated yeah. mothers? So that's a sort of another benefit, yeah. not only you protecting yourself against COVID, yeah. but you're also giving your baby protection. Yeah, that yeah I mean, as we know, ba- for the strains we've seen so far, babies are not, don't seem to be affected. But, you know, it's certainly a good thing giving them some, some antibodies. And... Um, I mean, if you're pregnant um, and you haven't yet been called up for your vaccine, how urgently do you want to get that vaccine? Do you want to be kind of calling your GP and going, hey, can I be first on the list as soon as I can be? Or do we just... I think I think if I were pregnant now, I would want to be fully vaccinated by my third trimester. 
would be my aim in an ideal world. Um, and ideally, I'd like to have it in my second trimester. So my, my sort of first and my booster in my second trimester, that would be the sort of perfect situation, only because the first trimester, as we know, is, is the sort of most important when it comes to developing fetus. And I, I just try, I say to all my patients, if you can avoid anything in the first trimester, that's good. Yeah, so ideally in the second trimester. But as you say, there's lots of data of people having it in the first trimester with no problems at all. Mm-hmm. And then, but what if, you know, because a lot of people now will be getting their first vaccine, how hard can you push for getting kind of, not prioritised, but top of the, your list um, if you are pregnant? How how important is it? Is it? I think, you know, you have to essentially join your place in the queue. Mm. I don't, you can always try, but uh, I can't guarantee you'll get it. <laughs> So, uh, and what about in terms of breastfeeding? I know that um, people were worried about potentially having the vaccine while they were breastfeeding, but is that, that has been considered? Yeah, so, so actually now. we've been recommending the vaccine for breastfeeding women for, for some time now, and there's, there's, um, there's good data to suggest that it's perfectly safe and actually that antibodies develop within a few weeks and those are passed to your baby through the breast milk. So again, another positive. There's certainly you shouldn't stop breastfeeding to have the vaccine and it, it seems to be a good thing. Um, and for your baby as well if you're sort of slowing down the breastfeeding and then you get your vaccine should you maybe ramp it up again to sort of try and give some antibodies you could although it's not i mean it's not immediate as i said it's going to take you know about three weeks i'd say probably before you've got some antibodies possibly a bit longer um so yes you could if you want <laughs> um and then I know that there have been some concerns around um, the COVID vaccines and fertility. So we're now talking about women who are trying to get pregnant, hoping to get pregnant, um, even in the sort of near future. I know that there has been some reporting that people are worried about it affecting fertility. Is there any truth in this at all? So this is definitely fake news. Um, and there is just nothing. There's no sort of biologically plausible mechanism by which vaccines would have any any impact on a woman's fertility um, and and you know they're, they're actually we've got presented evidence that women who, who've been vaccinated have not had any fertility problems in fact that I think it was 29 or 30 people in the Pfizer trials on the trial arm got pregnant you know during the trial while they were being vaccinated plenty of people in, in the states have got pregnant since having the vaccine um so there's 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 just and and as i said that the mechanism there is just isn't there was some there was some and i don't know the exact background to this but the rumor i heard was it's was a disgruntled empl- former employee of pfizer who was sacked and 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 literally just made this up and then it was and then i think some pe- people who were um who were um, generally not so keen on vaccinations um to try to try to say that there's so there's a protein that is really important in developing the placenta that um that the sort of on the the the, the fake news was saying that the COVID, that the vaccine develops antibodies against that protein so i.e. then the placenta won't develop properly but actually, the anti- the protein for which we develop an antibody against in the vaccine is a completely different protein. It it it, it just it's just rubbish. Yeah. So I, I you know it's um yeah. yeah. What more can I say? <laughs> <laughs> so you don't need to have uh, any concern. What if you're having IVF? Is should you delay the vaccine? Should you try and speed up the vaccine? Would it potentially affect your ability to get pregnant? So um, interestingly, I went to a lecture on this last week. Um, some of the top sort of uh, fertility spe- specialists in, in in the UK talking about it. And, and no, there's there's no uh, you should you should have the vaccine even if you're undergoing fertility treatment. And the only reason to delay it is if you have time. I.e., age is not 
against you um, or you haven't already got some frozen embryos or whatever, you, you might want to be fully vaccinated before being pregnant so that you're fully protected before embarking on the pregnancy journey. Um, but there's certainly no worries about undergoing treatment and having vaccination at the same time. And it can be sort of at any point during the sort yeah. of IVF process. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they didn't have any worries about that at all. And what about um, if someone has maybe had recurrent miscarriages and is trying to get pregnant? Um, would that um, change whether or not they had the vaccine or when they had the vaccine? Yeah, so that is, again, something that was being talked about in this lecture I went to last week. Um, and the answer is no, uh, they, they didn't. They said that the COVID vaccine does not increase your risk of miscarriage. Um, and obviously, if you do then happily get pregnant, um, if you're protected, then that is a better place to be than not protected. Mm. And I suppose it's really important just to remind women here that actually if they are experiencing recurrent miscarriages, which is um, more than three miscarriages, or sometimes it's more than two miscarriages, you should be looked at specifically and you can get specific help for those recurrent yeah, absolutely. miscarriages. Yeah, absolutely. If that's not being offered to you, you do need to ask for it. Yeah. Um, how about our children? Do you think they're going to be vaccinated? I mean, currently, so no. that's an interesting. At the moment, children aren't um, obviously aren't being vaccinated, but there are trials underway at the moment looking at the safety of the vaccines in children. Um, and here, you know, we've got the classic, um, you know, looking at the risk-benefit ratio at the moment with the strains we've got going around. Uh, children do not seem to be too badly affected with COVID, so uh, the benefit to them individually uh, taking the vaccine is not huge um at the moment we don't know about the risks so we haven't got the data in but um but you know I, I don't I, we don't expect there to be any problems um with giving the vaccine to children um you know and then we're looking about sort of moral and social obligations and you know someone said to me the other day you know she's in her 30s I just I don't think I want to have the vaccine I just you know, don't want, I'm just not worried about COVID for me um and and so you know why should I and and, you know, we had a conversation about it. And I said, I understand that. But if I'm talking very objectively, I'm not talking to you as an individual, you know, that's actually a really selfish approach. Because if everybody said that, then, you know, the vast majority of people wouldn't be vaccinated. And we, we the, this whole thing would be in vain because we wouldn't achieve what we need to achieve, which is herd immunity um, to, to stop the replication of the virus uh, enough to, to, to stop it mutating significantly. Um, so, uh, and of course, I wasn't calling her selfish, but you know, I'm just, you know, one ha you do have to think about the bigger picture in these in these things. I think. Yeah, because the danger is if we don't achieve herd immunity, then the virus will continue. It will mutate. It will continue to circulate within the community, within the order, the human population, and and continue to to potentially replicate into potentially a form that then is I don't know, uh, um, you know, much more virulent to children or to. Or resistant to, or the, vaccine resistant to the vaccine and that we so have. then endangers the elderly people who are vulnerable and are fully yep, vaccinated exactly so the more prevalent covid is the more likely it is going to mutate yeah. yeah well the more the more replications are happening therefore the more likely the mutations will happen mm-hmm mm -hmm. yeah i mean that makes makes sense i mean because it is a difficult one you know here are our children they're young they're healthy they're innocent we don't want to put them through anything and we're basically saying you should probably get vaccinated, not because it poses any danger to you, but, you know, your grandmother or a grandmother or an elderly person or someone with underlying health issues, you and, know, that might... And that's the same question being posed to the 20-year-olds or the, you know, even 30-year-olds potentially at the moment. But, but once a vaccine has 
been approved and shown to be safe, then essentially that's the same as any other vaccine we're giving our children. Um, because, you know, they haven't got a real risk, at least, you know, in a, in a vaccinated population, a real risk of developing uh, measles, for example. Yet we vaccinate them against measles because we need everyone to be vaccinated in order to stop outbreaks happening again, um, which we've had a, a conversations about before on the podcast. Um, you know, as f- fewer people vaccinate their children with the routine childhood immunizations, the more likely these, these, these illnesses pop up again in our communities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, understandably, people will have concerns. You know, what I like about this podcast is we're talking to people who think and give, you know, their decisions yeah, some And it's thought. right to question. It's right to have concerns. It's, I, I, I always welcome those discussions. You shouldn't just accept, yes, I've been told it's okay, so it's okay. Think about it. Um, read about it. But tr- uh, unfortunately, we live in an age where there's so much information from unreliable um, sources. So trust Wait, well, look, follow the pattern. Look, look where that information or reading has come from. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, and if you're concerned, by that. who is the best person to speak to? Because I think sometimes it's difficult to know. And so you then start looking on the Internet and going down some rabbit hole and not necessarily getting information that is going to make help you make a good decision or the right decision for you. Um, and also might make you more frightened than you need to be. I mean, um, who, who would be the best person to speak to if you have real concerns yeah. and you're pregnant? Uh, so, I mean, I think what I'd do is, is, is gather together the data that you have found or the questions you've found or the concerns and, and go and talk to someone who understands the science, who understands the background of it. Um, so that might be your obstetrician, that might be your midwife, that might be uh, your, your GP, that might be a family member who 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 you know you understands the the you know the the science. Um, so it's going to be different for for everyone. But um, and I'm not saying that all science is right. Uh, I'm just saying and, and science changes. You know, again, you know, as we've seen now in the last few weeks, it's not that a vaccine is approved and then it's considered safe forever. The side effects and the risks are constantly monitored. And if if the balance ever tipped then then the recommendations change um but by and large they're very cautious yeah uh, yeah absolutely uh, by and large they're very cautious yeah and where should you not get your information from well <laughs> i'd say generally speaking anyone who has uh very strong one-sided views at all um someone who's not looking at both sides or prepared to discuss and and think about both sides of the argument is probably not a very reliable source. Um, so, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say who I don't, I don't know who that, those people are, but uh, you know, uh, people who are, are are sort of very very passionate uh, are are often not very clear thinking mm. in these matters. And, and presumably, your doctor or your midwife is always really happy to have these discussions with you. I mean, I heard. A story of a, of a GP who decided that the surgery was going to call all the people that had been mm. called to vaccination, and their uptake was suddenly a lot higher. Yes. Presume if you do have real concerns, it is worth seeing if you Absolutely. can talk to your GP. Absolutely, and I know that's not always or, easy. You know, the deep GPs. You know, there'll be people listening to this saying, "Yeah, good luck." You know, I can't spend an hour on the phone just trying to book an appointment. Um, but and and that is of course. You know that is of course true, and the doctors and nurses are are very very busy. But but they they you know they will find time. Um, just keep persisting, and uh, and have that conversation. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think the one thing that's been really important to me over this last year is that sort of understanding that the media ultimately is there to entertain and sell papers and mm. sell Sky subscriptions or whatever they are, rather than to inform in mm-hmm. a totally impartial way. Yeah. And so very often what is represented in the media is the more sort of dramatic, exciting version of the truth, because that's essentially what their ultimate goal is, that you buy more papers, that you spend more time watching the news. And so actually their objectives are slightly um, different to the doctor, whose ultimate role is to ensure that their patients are safe and well cared for. So I've always found um, that certainly this year when we've been so obsessed with the media it's been really good just to have that in the back of my mind and when I read a story that might be slightly alarming I'll think okay either I'll go and talk to someone about this or I will read something else or I'll delve a bit deeper rather than panic Mm. Um, because if you look through the papers there's every day is a panic and actually what's quite an interesting thing to do is look back at papers that are six months old or a year old or even 10 years old and look at what the papers were screaming about yeah and you think how big an impact that's had on you know, our lives in the last year or 10 years or six months, whatever it is. And it just shows you that there's a lot of often sort of hype and hot water about things that end up not being I mean, I I definitely... in terms of the vaccine particularly or the science I'm not sure the media have been particularly helpful during this pandemic and they've scared a lot of people I mean I often thought if if there was this much media attention for every vaccine that was developed uh, you know I mean we would be so overwhelmed you know by the by the information if you came to see me two years ago and you were traveling off somewhere and you needed your typhoid and your yellow fever you weren't going to be asking me which brand I sure you should have and what the efficacy is and you know what the you know, very, very rare uh, side effects of the vaccine are and knowing the statistics, you, you, you trust that it's an approved vaccine and you'd have it to most people, you know, and it's very different with the COVID vaccine. Yeah, suddenly we're a nation of armchair experts, mm. not necessarily that conducive to the hard work that the doctors are putting in. Well, the, the scientists, yeah. <laughs> well, Kiara, um, thank you very much. Uh, as always, brilliant discussion, and uh, it feels the whole thing feels a little bit clearer. Um, in terms of looking at, um, you know, just kind of finding information, I suppose the NHS website is always quite a good, well presented website in terms of people finding out more information. Yeah, actually, yeah, the other website that's, that is the RCOG, so the Royal College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, have some really good. Um, of data on you know specifically obviously pregnancy and covid so have a look at that if you're if you're wanting to know a little bit more perfect and then you know if you are pregnant do talk to your midwife or you know if you've got young children or trying to conceive you know doctor or yeah gp surgery yeah exactly thank you all thank you all for listening thanks for downloading this episode of the parenthood you can subscribe rate and review wherever you found this podcast you can also follow me on instagram i'm at marina fogel but in the meantime from kiara and me thanks for listening goodbye bye small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.